Hello and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we come to you this week in the build-up to Chelsea versus Manchester United, one of the biggest games of the Premier League season so far. However, uh, neither are at the top of the table, which is possibly a bit of a surprise at this point of the season. Uh, Manchester United five points behind City, Chelsea nine. Uh, so this is a really important game for both teams. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan, hosting the podcast again this week, uh, joined by the Mirror Football editor, Matty Lawless. How are you doing, Matty? Very well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. And one of our reporters, James Whalen. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. We're also going to be joined later on by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, former Chelsea striker, and also Alex Porter from the Manchester Evening News to help us look ahead to this fixture. Guys, Chelsea, we'll start with them. Um, really bitterly disappointing midweek uh, against Roma. I don't think we quite expected them to struggle that bad in, in Italy, did we? I don't think so, no. I mean, I think we always knew it was going to be a difficult game and I think the warning signs were there. But, um, yeah, really disappointing night for Antonio Conte and there's been a lot of rumblings throughout the season and um, even last season when they won the league that his job's on the line and he obviously signed a two-year contract extension when they won the title. But, um, yeah, it's, it, this is a really big make-or-break game, isn't it, I think, for him. James, did you watch any of the uh, game against Roma? Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw bits. Um, I've I seen the highlights. They were they were very poor, um, right from right from the word go. Basically, um, the defensive laps which allowed them, um, albeit a, a wonderful strike at the start, to to get Roma in front, and and they never looked back. Really, they they were the better side from from the first kick to the last. Fully worthy of of their three 0 win and. Um, yeah, I think worrying signs for Chelsea, but at the same time, I think it's a, a perfect game to come back with on home soil. Big game in front of a big crowd. Um, perfect chance for the players and Antonio Conte to get right back on track straight away. Just touching on that defensive point, though, I think that's a great point because you know there was a bit of like PlayStation defending where you know three defenders were dragged out and it was comical and they got a lot of uh, criticism over there, didn't they? Yeah, they did. You know, I think that went quite viral on Twitter and the like. You know, people quite people entertain, quite entertaining with the Benny Hill music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, as, as you rightly say, it's it's schoolboy stuff. If if you saw an under sixteen team doing that, you'd be asking questions. And you know this is a team that wants to be challenging for honours both domestically and on the continent. So slightly worrying, but you know we've we've seen at times this season just how good Chelsea can be. Uh, with the went to Wembley and did a job on Tottenham, for example. And you know I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them bounce back at the weekend. Yeah, um, Chelsea obviously the nine points off the top of the table now, which is you wouldn't expect them to be that far behind at this point. Is it just the Angola Kansi injury? Are they missing him so badly, or why do we think that they are so far off the pace at this at this stage? I think they've missed a the striker. I think Morata's been fantastic, a great sign for him. Obviously, he's had a few injury problems, and, uh, missed a couple of weeks. But Diego Costa was a huge blow for Chelsea, um, and I think the way and the manner in which he departed sort of ripped through the squad a bit. Um, Hazard, of course. Um, he's coming back, looks fantastic, but he missed the start of the season. And I, I honestly think losing John Terry in the dressing room, I think that is a massive blow behind the scenes. And it's it's been a baptism of uh, fire, so to speak, in terms of leadership for Gary Cahill. Yeah. I think N'Golo Kante, any team in the Premier League would miss him. You know, he's arguably the best player in the Premier League, or certainly arguably the most valuable in terms of what it brings to the team. Um, you know, he's, he's, had a, he's had a player in Bakayoko who has... Uh, filled in brilliantly alongside him, or even even as a replacement, and has has done well. But you know, I think we saw just how important Kante was to go from Leicester, lead them to the title. He 
leaves them, they fall down the table, and he goes and wins another league with Chelsea. Yeah, he's such a workhorse, isn't he? It's, it's no, it's no coincidence. So I think that is a, is a good point. But um, you know, they're, they're going to have to learn to be without these kinds of players from time to time. Definitely, and one other player as well who sort of suits that system that Conte likes with the wingbacks, Victor Moses. He has he's been missing as well, and people have sort of forgotten about him. But he's been a real blow, I think. Uh, do we think Chelsea, I mean, you, you say there's blows when they're missing injured players, are they actually replacing them? Are Chelsea actually good enough this year to be considered as title contenders or are they already just long gone, do we think? I wouldn't rule them out, absolutely not. I mean, anything can change and they proved that last season, didn't they? They had a bit of a, a tipsy-turvy uh, start and um, in the end they, they were champions. So I think, like I say, once they get those players back, it really sort of revitalise them. This is a key game. Um, for them this Sunday and one other player we speak about Kante but selling Matic I mean that could have been that could be a massive costly error couldn't it yeah I mean look at the way he started life at Manchester United he's already proven himself to be one of their most important players and uh, as Matty rightly mentions I think that was not the wisest transfer move Chelsea have ever made now we are joined on the line by former Chelsea striker and the current manager of Northampton Town Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Jimmy are you there Yes, I am. Good stuff. Really appreciate you speaking to us. We want to speak to you about Chelsea. Uh, so we'll start with Tuesday night and uh, what was kind of a bitterly disappointing loss for Chelsea. Um, but would you agree that maybe it was the manner of the loss that was most disappointing for Chelsea? Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, it was it was a, a, a different Chelsea. I think uh, in the first half, uh, even though they were losing, um, the, 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 the performance was okay. But the second half, the f- performance was was flat, and it's not the Chelsea that we have seen on on the Conte before. So um, it happens sometimes. It happens, you know. I think. Uh, I think if you look at 18 months, more or less, that that Conte has been here, you know, uh, there's been a lot of lot of positive things. Uh, this is this 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 has been one of the negative ones, but they've always responded well. So um, I expect them them to to do the same. You know? Obviously, it's the big game against Manchester United this weekend. Uh, both Chelsea and United actually have a, f- a fair gap to catch up on Manchester City already. Um, why, why do you think Chelsea are lacking behind City at the moment? Is it just because City is so good or are Chelsea maybe missing something? Uh, City is very good, but I think you shouldn't concentrate on other teams. I think you should just concentrate on yourself. And Obviously, we know that, that Chelsea has had well, they still have their, their little problems, you know. They have had injuries. Uh, the, the the squad uh, is is not that much uh, uh, that big, you know. So they have had injuries in, in really important players, um, and and they are uh, not playing as well as they used to play uh, last year. Now that might come because people know now what they are about and, and it's harder uh, and they need to have more patience finding the openings uh, but but I think Chelsea just needs to concentrate on Chelsea and, and, and not worry about Man City they can't control that anyway you know yeah absolutely 
Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank here speaking on the Mirror Football podcast. Uh, Jimmy is an ambassador for Shaw and the Shaw Pressure Series. Uh, if you've not seen any of the videos yet uh, from the Pressure Series, uh, please do uh, go and check them out. Some of them very entertaining. Um, now, Jimmy, is this game against United... Uh, do Chelsea have to see it as a must-win game because of the kind of the gap already? Uh, will the title ambitions almost be over if they if they fail to beat United? There's still a lot of matches to be played. Still a lot of matches to be played. Look at last year, uh, Chelsea went on a 16-game uh, uh, run, you know? So that can happen again. Uh, so there's still a lot of games to be played. Um, I think how Chelsea has to see it is they need they need a performance. They need a performance. You know, by them getting performance, with the of time you get a good performance, the results reflect that. You know, so they need to concentrate on getting a good performance and, and build from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been a few rumours uh, about Antonio Conte's future. Um, just quickly on him, do you still see him as the right man to lead Chelsea going forward? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think... Uh, He's, he's done absolutely magnificent, you know. Uh, uh, when you are a manager and you are at a big club, there is always going to be ups and downs, you know. He has had a lot more ups than than downs, and and um, you know he's he, he's been brilliant for Chelsea, and, and I would like to see him a lot more years here. So uh, so uh, I, I definitely believe that he is still the right man for the job. Obviously, coming to Stamford Bridge is uh, almost a completely different personality, equally as enthusiastic in Jose Mourinho coming back to Chelsea. Um, how do you think, well, first of all, what do you make of Manchester United this season? And or maybe mainly the, the way they approach games, because in the last few weeks they've almost seemingly shut up shop a little bit, haven't they? I think if you want to be successful, you have to have that at times. You have to be able to keep the zero to be successful over the years and and uh, Mourinho knows that uh, out of out of everybody uh, he's one of the best uh, uh, with, with that you know um, you're not going to go through a season and be pretty the whole season you know only Barcelona has has has, has been able to do that and and that was a team that that has been nurtured for years and years and years together you know, when you when you, when it is your second year, you know you don't have that. You know, so you 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 have to be pragmatical uh, at times. Joseph is that, and, and 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 you have to be businesslike, and uh, and and that's what Man United does uh, at times. You're currently yourself in charge of Northampton Town. Um, as a manager, do you, do you learn from watching the likes of Mourinho and, and Conte and what they do? Yeah, you do. Uh, you do, of course. You, you learn from everybody, but but uh, what is the most important thing is that you stay your own person. And and majority of times you don't know the full story. So yeah, you can learn, but but have to try to know the full to, to know the whole full story and why they are doing certain things at the, at, at those particular moments. You know, so. Uh, but 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 life is all about learning. I think adopting, learning, being flexible, and 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 moving on for a manager. Yeah, 
good stuff. And just quickly on management yourself, are you, are you enjoying management? Obviously, you've, there's been plenty of ups, plenty of downs, as with any manager. Uh, are, are you enjoying life in the dugout? Yeah, yeah. I love working with the boys. I, I love going to training and, and do training and seeing them running around and, and helping them and trying to make them better and, and 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 making them better guys, you know, on and off the pitch. And yeah, I, I do. Uh, I do enjoy it. Yes. Good stuff. And uh, just quickly before you go, Jimmy, um, have you got a score prediction for the weekend? Chelsea against Manchester United. Uh, how do you think it's going to go? Uh, look, uh, I, I hope I hope Chelsea wins. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think it will be a a one nil, a one nil, uh, or, or it will not a lot a lot of goals in it. Brilliant, lovely, Jimmy. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Cheers. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank there, um, very fortunate to have him with us on the Mirror Football Podcast and you know, give us a bit of insight uh, ahead yeah. of the game. What a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great goal scorer. Well, I used to, one of them I used to watch growing up and uh, yeah, he was a fantastic goal scorer, wasn't he? A bit like you, Flanners, <laughs> in the back of the net. Yeah. And not, 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 quite, not quite like me. I was uh, I wanted to be prolific as a striker. I was never quite uh, at that level. Uh, Jimmy there, um, very insistent that uh, Antonio Conte is still the man for Chelsea, despite all this talk about you know, he's maybe already lost Roman Abramovich and stuff. Uh, Conte, been a bit of a weird one this season. He almost doesn't look quite as enthusiastic on the touchlines. Uh, do we think he's maybe changed after winning the title? Is he maybe complacent a little bit? Uh, it's a good question. I think, he obviously, there was an interview um, a few weeks ago where he says he was uh, misinterpreted, where you know he claimed that he missed Italy and he'd like to go back there. So you, you do question that a little bit. But looking at him on the touchline, and uh, I, I don't think he's, he's lost anything at all. I think he's still passionate. And I think you'll see on Sunday, you know, the rivalry b- between him and Jose Mourinho will speak for itself. And like I say, it, the proof's in the pudding whether he'll, he'll get the win and... That will really kickstart Chelsea's season. I think he answered. Yeah, he was asked a question a couple of weeks ago in a press conference about his future. As you know, he is most weeks. That comes with the territory, I think, of being Chelsea manager. And he he was insistent that he's slightly different um, to other managers that have been before. In that, you know, Roman Abramovich has sort of mellowed a little bit as as he's uh, as he's been longer at the helm at Chelsea, and that you know he is incredibly safe in his job and he's under no pressure whatsoever. And then they played Watford on the weekend. Uh, they went two one down, and when they got it back to two two, Conte's jumping in the crowd, and it just <laughs> kind of makes you think, you know, is he under a little bit of pressure? Did he really need that? Yeah. So you know, we, we've seen it so many times before at Chelsea. He's, he's almost a, a regimented structure that works for them. They, they get a manager in, they win a title, they sack him, and and they go again, and and. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see it happen again. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a man in the other, well, the opposite dugout this coming weekend is Jose Mourinho. He knows full well how uh, cutthroat Chelsea can be. Yeah. Uh, as a club, he's coming back to Chelsea with a United team who, let's be honest, they're winning games, but not very entertaining, are they? <laughs> he knows how to do a job, though, doesn't he? And that's the thing what people forget about Jose. He's only lost one game this season, and I do feel like he deserves a bit more credit. You know he's going to get loads of stick on Sunday at Stamford Bridge, but he's played it down saying, you know, it's just another game. But um, I think, looking at Manchester United, they look to me like the Man United of old again. They've got that swagger. I thought they were fantastic against Tottenham. I know it wasn't goals galore, but they did the job, and that's all you need to do. Man City are knocking teams uh, off the park for fun, but Man United are doing that job, 
albeit okay, they need to prove it against Chelsea this weekend as they didn't do against Liverpool. So, big game, but look, I, I believe in Jose Mourinho. I think he's fantastic. Do you reckon maybe United fans are a little bit underwhelmed with the style of football and the approach to some of the games? Because, yes, they're winning games. Maybe they're just happy that they're winning games, and as any football fan would be, but maybe the slightly defensive approach is... Will United fans, given what they watched for many a year under Fergie, be completely happy with what they're seeing right now? Look, I think you've got to play to your strengths. You, you know, you play with what you've got. And look, Manchester United don't have the array of attacking talent that Manchester City do. It's a fact. They can't go out and blow teams away like City are doing it. But when they're playing against the big sides, they're invariably getting results. They're not losing. They've lost one game all season. It was to Huddersfield. They were terrible. But that was pretty much an anomaly in the way the rest of the season's gone. When he's needed to keep a clean sheet, he's done it. You know, I agree with Matty. I thought they were great against Tottenham. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't the best game of football you, you'll ever see, but they needed to get a win, um, ha- having had the disappointment at Huddersfield, and and they did just that. And, and we've seen how good how good a side Spurs Spurs are. They blew Real Madrid away this week, and United stopped them playing. So I do think Mourinho deserves some credit. Yeah, for that. you can't take that away from him at all. Absolutely. And the other thing with United let's not forget how far they've come in a short space of time under Jose Mourinho I mean they were at 6s and 7s under the likes of David Moyes and Louis van Gaal okay he won the FA Cup but you know if Man United fans are not appreciating having a manager like Jose Mourinho there you know I'd struggle to see who else could go in there I bet Arsenal would take him I, yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of Arsenal fans who take him right now. Take him at West Ham. Do we think this style of play that Jose's playing is the right style to approach a game with Chelsea? Because United have a dreadful record at Stamford Bridge. They've not won in the last seven there in all competitions. Um, is that the approach United need to be able to break down Chelsea at Stamford Bridge? It's a bit of yes and no, really. I would say yes because you know you expect Chelsea to come back stronger after midweek. But then I'd say no because you look at that game against Roma and defensively you can see that Chelsea are vulnerable and Manchester United have got the players to do it. I would personally like to see a three-pronged attack with Martial, Rashford and Lukaku playing against Chelsea. I think they could really trouble them, particularly with the win-backs as well. Um, so for me I think it's one of those you've got to lay down a marker and go out there and really give them a good game yeah I agree I'd also love to see that front three I think those two wingers playing as I say inside those wing backs with a you know, big target man like they've got in Lukaku who's you know going through a little bit of a dry spell but he's going to have a point to prove going back to Stamford Bridge and I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit the net So give us a bit more insight now into the United side of things. Uh, we're joined by the Manchester Evening News' Deputy United Editor, Alex Porter. Uh, Alex, are you there? I am, hiya. Uh, good, how are you? Are you okay? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Lovely, really appreciate you coming on. Big game this weekend for United. In a way, is it a must-win game for United because of the kind of the gap to Manchester City in the table at this early stage of the season? Um... It's difficult, isn't it, to say it's a must-win game this early on in the season. But I think Mourinho's uh, strategy at Anfield was not to lose. Um, he's, he's gone away and drawn up against Liverpool. But then as a result of that, City have started pulling, pulling away a bit. So I think there might start to be some questions asked if he uh, can't get a win away at a top-six club. But having said that, United's record at Stamford Bridge is absolutely abysmal. So uh, perhaps most fans would take a draw at this particular ground. Absolutely. Is it fair to say that the kind of the feel-good factor from the start of the season with United, when obviously they were beating teams 4-0 seemingly every week, 
has kind of evaporated a little bit because of, as you said, the Liverpool performance, maybe the way the game against Tottenham was approached. Is it maybe not quite as fun and rosy for United as it was at the start of the season? Yeah, I think that I think that was that's fair. I think if you go to Old Trafford and you sit in sit in the press box and you, and you listen to the to the fans, it's certainly not quite as all as all rosy as it was when they were sticking four past teams earlier on in the season. But I think part of that's a, a little bit of an unfortunate timing issue in the fact that the Huddersfield performance came quite as swiftly on the back of the Liverpool performance, and so it was just a bad week, and everyone started reevaluating, especially because of the international break as well. So they had a long number of weeks for fans to think, oh, we're not actually played well. I think I think the Spurs game, yeah, the approach was perhaps maybe a bit more conservative than United fans who've grown up on Sir Alex Ferguson would want, although his, his legacy, I think, has been rewritten slightly in the last uh, couple of years since he retired. But at the end of the day, we saw from Spurs against Real Madrid this week, they're a really good side, and to go and get a win against them is, is a real big statement. And think perhaps that result and that performance now looks a lot better than it did at the weekend when you see what, what they did to uh, Real Madrid in the, mid- in the week. Absolutely. Mourinho's made a few comments recently. He's not been particularly happy with the support. Um, the, the comments have received a bit of a mixed reaction. What do you think about them, them comments? Is, is he justified in what he's saying, or is he maybe a little out of order? Um, I think uh, criticising the fans, I think, is a very difficult battle to win. Roy Keane did it, um, Sir Alex Ferguson did it a little bit, but they had you know years of success at United to look back on before before they made those comments. Mourinho's kind of been in a year and is now sort of criticising the fans a little bit for the support of Old Trafford. I mean, big big stadiums, the home support. It's not just a United problem, but I think by making the comments about the support for Lukaku, he made a, a very small incident into a much bigger incident. I think that's, that's probably the one which rankles the most, because actually I don't think fans had a, had a problem with Lukaku. They, they would like to see Rashford, Martial and Lukaku on together. And so I think when, when Rashford was, was brought off, that was the real issue. So I think he's made a bigger issue out of something that wasn't a big thing to begin with, and that's made, made the situation worse. Um, and there was a slight dig in his, in his program notes for Benfica that sort of made, again made the situation worse when it didn't really need to make any, any worse than it already was. So perhaps he hadn't. Uh, he's got a slight point about home crowds, but I think you can extend that out to most most home grounds in the Premier League these days, certainly in the top six. But uh, I don't think he really had any any like, comments about Lukaku support, and that's as a result of, of that has been blown up into something that didn't need to be done at all. Uh, now, it, it is an all doom and gloom, if you like, uh, around United. There was, uh, especially midweek, there was a huge positive. Uh, Scott McTominay uh, made his well, his Champions League starting debut. Um, a, a bit out of the blue, this kind of uh, appearance came from. A really promising times for United that actually Mourinho is looking to bring through the youth at United, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a good week for United, really, in terms of that. Obviously, they Mark with having a youth player in the squad for every single match day squad which is a, a really proud record for them and uh, in that particular week he also kind of gave Ch- Scott McTominay his first Champions League debut and, and Scott McTominay did really well I thought I mean he's, a, he's only 20 he's got limited experience and he, and he came in and did a really tidy job in this field and hopefully that's given him a lot of confidence to push on because he's in the squad largely because Andreas Pereira went on loan so he's seizing an opportunity that he might not have had but to be fair He's making absolute most of those opportunities, and Mourinho spoke really nicely about him after Swansea. He was obviously impressed with 
Benfica game as well. So hopefully, it's a case of while well, Andreas Pereira's away, another another uh, promising lad is making hay, and uh, we'll see where he is come the end of the season. But hopefully, a few starts and, and Champions League will uh, help him progress his game because he's not actually played that much kind of competitive football so far. So that's, that's a really positive sign, I think. Uh, and just quickly before we go um, on United, Victor Lindelof. Do we know what the situation regarding him is at the moment? Because he's he's kind of in the squad every now and again. He's out of it. He when he plays, he doesn't look quite right. Do, can you give us any kind of update on where United are with him? I'm still trying to agree, uh, adapt him to the English game. I think he, he wasn't particularly confident on the pre-season tour. Uh, that was before the Super Cup where he didn't play particularly well against Real Madrid but kind of came in because Bayern Jones were going to spend for that one. Um, and I think it's possibly he's just adapting to the game. He certainly appears to be a really confidence issue and I think that's why he's coming into the squad. So he was on the bench for, for the Champions League uh, tie against Benfica and it was Axel Tuanzili who, who dropped out which was perhaps not what was merited after the Swansea game. But I think a lot of it's to do with confidence and really is trying to get him in, in slowly. He said after the Swansea game he picked the formation to help uh, Lindelof's confidence because it wasn't particularly high after the Huddersfield game. So the manager's doing what he can. I think it's, a, it's an interesting uh, part of insight into his man management as to how, how patient he's trying to be with Lindelof, who's an expensive, expensive signing, but he's still only 22. So I think uh, they're just trying to be a bit patient with him at the minute and there's no need to, to rush him in because they've got Baez playing as, as well as we've come to expect from him and Jones having a, a very good season as well. So I think there's just an air of caution around him and hopefully he'll come good as a result of that. Lovely stuff. Alex, really, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you very much. All right, thanks very much for having me. Cheers, our pleasure. Alex Porter there from the Manchester Evening News. Um, quite interesting what Alex had to say there uh, about Victor Lindelof and this kind of way he's not quite managing to get himself into the United team. Some doubts over that transfer. They spent a lot of money on him. Um, do we think Lindelof will ever get to a level where he can play in a Jose Mourinho team? I think so. I think you've got to remember he's quite young as well. And almost for me, it echoes um, Henrik Mkhitaryan, how he was sort of slowly introduced into the Manchester United team. Of course, when you spend that kind of money on a player, you instantly expect him to be starting every week. But a club like Manchester United, you know, you do need to settle in players a lot differently. And, and Lindelof definitely got a lot of qualities. He's played Champions League football with Benfica. He's won a title with him. And I think long term, he'll be OK. Now, uh, we're going to have to have a look ahead to some of the other games of the Premier League weekend. Uh, just literally a matter of hours before Chelsea take on United, there is another huge, huge game uh, up in Manchester at the Etihad. Manchester City versus Arsenal. Arsenal have slowly but surely creeped their way back into top four contention after a pretty horrendous start. In their current form, their current approach, could this be the team that can finally stop Manchester City? I mean, although Arsenal have been winning a few games, they haven't been convincing, I don't think. I've said this a few times uh, on the podcast. Swansea first half yeah, chance. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, they, they've, they've been getting results without blowing teams away, without being really brilliant. Um, so, you know, I think there's still a, quite a soft underbelly at Arsenal. And I think Manchester City could be the team to really pick it apart, as Liverpool did earlier this season. Wouldn't be surprised to see City run riot. Yeah, I agree. I can't see anything other than City winning this game, to be honest. Manchester City as well, uh, really, really convincing uh, against Napoli. That's 
got to be one of the results of the season. City going to Napoli, going behind and coming back so emphatically as they did in Europe this week. Napoli have been unbelievable in Serie A this season and they're top of the league for a good reason. Their manager couldn't believe how good uh, Pep Guardiola's side were and he said that City are the best team in Europe at the minute. And I have to say I agree with him right now. My only question is can they can they, can they keep that at a consistent level throughout the, the season? It looks good now, but we've seen it before with City and Pep Guardiola. But really, this is the year that he has to put trophies on the table. Yeah, I think you know City had a great start last year. Uh, I think they had a similar record after sort of seven or eight games as they did this year, and then they fell away. But I just can't see it happening this year. This City team looks so much different to me to the one last year. They like as I touched on before, just the array of attacking talent they have. Um, you know, if you if you go there and and score three, there's every chance they'll score four, and, and yeah. they'll they'll come away with three points. So, but even defensively, they seem to have like patched yeah, it up think, a bit uh, as well. Uh, John Stones, what what a season he's having! You know, he's, he's really come of age. Um, even like Nicholas Otamendi looks like a footballer. Mangala yeah, on a bench, yeah. even like he can come in yeah. and do his job. Yeah. So you know, and Vincent Company still to come back for City. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's mouth watering if you're a City fan, and uh, yeah. I think they'll be very confident. Into this weekend. No, absolutely. Uh, elsewhere this coming weekend, uh, West Ham against Liverpool. I mean, in a weird way, this is there's a lot of pressure on both managers there. Liverpool not quite performing in the Premier League. West Ham, we know for a fact that Slavan Bilic is, is under pressure. Uh, Matty, West Ham, do you think it's time for a change? Do you think Bilic has maybe ran his course there now? I, I do think that. This game will be the real sort of true test in it because it will go into an international break, so it gives time to consider a change. Yes, I do actually. Is is the answer? Okay, West Ham. If they do beat Liverpool, then it changes again, and that was the spanner in the works that Billich threw um, against Spurs a week ago when they won the the cup game. No one really expected that, especially two 0 down. But make no mistake, there's there's a lot of pressure on him. The fans are starting to feel that. Okay, we need a change, and there's a lot of resentment towards the board a little bit as well. Um, but Slavan, for me, it just looks like it just looks like another Avram Grant situation. And Bilic is such a good guy, but he seems to me that he's just reached the end of his tether. And I'm not so sure. I mean, that, that the manner in which they capitulated at Crystal Palace last minute equaliser, 97th minute. I mean, Mikel Antonio, what was he doing? Boa County got absolutely pelters in the dressing room. And for me, that just spoke volumes of, of where the team is at the minute. And they look like a team that are in free fall. And I think Jamie Carragher said it. They look like a team who's been thrown together and just don't know what to do. So Well, they almost have in the, in the summer because there was well, yeah. a, quite, quite a lot but of... It looked like good business though, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. It did. Like, obviously, Javi Hernandez hasn't scored quite as many as they probably would have liked. If it stays as it is, is it a relegation battle for West Ham? I think it is, yes. Okay, interesting. Uh, we also touched on Liverpool, obviously West Ham's opponents on uh, Saturday evening, uh, the 5.30pm game. Liverpool, bit of a funny one. The Maribor game, will that just kind of paper over the cracks, do we think? And it was just that they were always going to win, but does it almost give them false hope from the situation they have been in? I think um, at half-time of that Maribor game, it was very frustrating that it was goalless and They'd, they'd really struggled to break down a team who just a few weeks previous they'd put seven past and I, I actually watched that game and I remember saying when we did the podcast after that they were just a horrendous football team I can't remember <laughs> ever seeing a team play that badly and I'm talking at any level Like I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we could have got together a group of lads and picked that defence apart yeah. but you know they 
they, they got themselves a little bit more regimented at Anfield. But, but you know, credit to Liverpool, the second half, they kept at it. They, they didn't they didn't get too frustrated and they've, they've gone and scored three goals, so fair play to them. And, you know, that, that'll give them a bit of confidence. They obviously had a good win uh, at the weekend as well against Huddersfield. Again, they, they, they took a while to score. Once they did, they got through and they enjoyed themselves. So... Uh, it's a Liverpool win for me. It, it could be, yeah. I could see it happening like that again. I think one one person to keep an eye on though is Joe Hart. I thought he was fantastic um, against Crystal Palace. So unlucky to let those early uh, those two goals in. Um, he's actually conceded twenty nine goals in seventeen Premier League games against Liverpool. That is five more than he's let in against any other side. Yeah. So uh, maybe you might want to get your money on a few goals for Liverpool. But <laughs> I, I do think that like, this is a real. This could be the catalyst for West Ham if they. Beat Liverpool or get a result, this could kick on their season. Or, as I say, goes the other way, Billich is gone, maybe. Absolutely. Uh, just before we go, I want to have a quick little look at the other side of Merseyside. Uh, Everton don't have a permanent manager. It's increasingly seeming like David Unsworth is not going to get the job uh, full-time. Uh, we've spoke on the podcast before about Sean Dyche as a potential uh, potential manager. Sam Allardyce is, is now in the, in the frame. Uh, out of the two of them, who do we think is the better man for Everton in this exact situation that they're in? Sean Dyche for me, um, I think he's more of a long term appointment as well. Uh, you know, if, Sam Allardyce is a brilliant firefighter. You know, if you go and get him, there's no chance of going down. But is he going to want to see it past the summer? I think I think that's doubtful. Uh, Sean Dyche can't speak highly enough of the job he's done at Burnley. Um, he's established them as a Premier League team now. I think uh, they're very difficult to beat. Very good home record, and, and you know we've seen them go away to Stamford Bridge on the opening day of this season, for example, and get a result as well. So I think that would be a fantastic appointment. He might not play the swashbuckling brand of football that Evertonians want to see, but you know what they had they had that under Roberto Martinez and they weren't happy with that either. So I think he'd, he'd steady the ship, and I think he'd be a good appointment. I agree, and I just wonder, like with Dice, how further can he take Burnley? You know, a club like Everton, they've got a lot of investment there. There's long-term projects as well in terms of stadium, possibly. I'd like to see Dice get a chance of that, and I'd, I think Allardyce, as much as I, I personally really like Big Sam. He's kind of made his bed and said, look, he didn't want that Palace job after the end of the season, so he's kind of going into retirement a bit. But it looks like, to me at the minute, he's going to get it. Right, that will do us this week for the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, Matty, James, thank you very much for joining us in here. And also a big thanks to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Alex Porter for joining us uh, along the way. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll look ahead to all of the international action, uh, big games for the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, World Cup qualifiers. Also, England have some oh, a couple of very, very intriguing friendlies that could, it could either make us really optimistic for the World Cup or it could <laughs> make us really, really downbeat. So we'll have a look at them uh, next week. Uh, we'll be available then on all the usual channels. So until then, uh, enjoy all the weekend action.